This is a Poets and Writers page one author reading. To hear more, visit us at pw.org forward slash multimedia or at soundcloud.com forward slash poets and writers. The forest is hardwood, and the branches of the oaks and sycamores are bare except for the crows, hundreds of them, all huddled like little men in black jackets. Together they make a strange music, muttering to one another in rusty voices as they click their beaks and rustle their feathers and claw at the bark that can be heard a quarter mile away, across a snowy cornfield, where Ray stands on a frozen pond. The stubs of last year's corn stalks fang through the snow, and two sets of footprints lead like a rough blue stream from his house to the pond. Two sets of footprints, yet he is alone on the ice. The cold rises through the soles of his boots, creeping up his legs into his chest, so that his heart feels frosted with tiny white crystals. The pond is big, close to two acres, with three holes melted into its ice from the warm springs beneath. The holes are big enough to drive a car through, the ice at their rims gradually thinning into a gray sliver that gives way to the dark water at their centers. His house, a ranch with a black roof and tan siding, sits 50 yards away. Next to it, a red pole barn, where he stores his john boat and runs his taxidermy business. From where Ray stands, he can see his shop window, a square cut into the corrugated metal. And from there, he could have seen his nephew leave the house and crunch through the calf-deep snow, heading toward the pond, probably with his arms held out like wings to keep his balance. Had Ray only looked up from his work, a rack mount job, a deer shot by Jacob Henderson, there would have been time to lift the window and yell, to scramble out the side door and through the snow and grab the boy by the coat and give him a shake and say, what the hell are you doing? Had he only looked up, he wouldn't be standing here now, where the footprints concluded, at the edge of a hole, as black and reflective as the glass eye he nudged into the deer's empty socket minutes ago. The boy was supposed to be watching cartoons. The boy, seven years old, or was it six? With his fair skin, his hair so blonde, it is nearly white. Ray hardly knows him, sees him only on holidays when his sister drives down from St. Paul to visit. The boy rarely speaks, and when he does, his voice comes out in a high whisper. His eyes are the blue-black color of the dirty snow piled at the edges of the highway. And now the boy is trapped beneath the ice, his tiny body floating there, turning around and around in what must look like a cave, with three columns of light streaming from the holes punched in its roof. Ray doesn't know what to do. Call his sister or call the police? There is no rush. The boy is dead. He has to be. But Ray feels a horrible need to act, even if that means stepping forward as if through a trap door allowing the cold water to squeeze the breath from him. It would be better than facing his sister, the hate he imagines twisting her face. In this moment, on the pond, in the middle of the snow-scalloped cornfield, 
Ray feels mixed up with anger and regret and sadness. Every stupid protest cycles through his head. I wish I could trade places with the boy. I wish I could turn back time and so on. And then, as if summoned, the boy's body appears below him. One moment, water sucks and plops at the edges of the hole. And the next, the boy is there. His face, a white smear rising out of the darkness.